The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide, brought to you by KPCD 666, Cape Radio, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Thursday, August 26th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on FX's American Horror Story Double Feature. Please welcome my co-hosts, Madison Fitzpatrick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Odina Gonzalez. Hi, everybody. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Vinnie Hatcher. Hello again. <laughs> so mysterious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, he'll slit your throat, y'all. I'm just saying. Literally. <laughs> As we saw in this episode. There's a whole bunch of throats being sliced. So uh, let's jump Welcome into to the dick doc. <laughs> there you go. Let's jump into our recap of season 10, episode 2, which was titled Pale and aired on August 25th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. A quick fix for Harry's writer's block has unexpected side effects. Two eccentric locals offer Harry a helping hand. All of that actually happened. All of that was hella vague. Um, but it, it did actually happen. So let's talk about this. And we're actually going to dive deep into this episode. Because I want to talk about the mythos that was introduced in this episode. I want to talk about the side effects of uh, the... Black pills, the Muse pills, as, uh, you know, they were sort of like officially, officially dubbed in this episode. Uh, let's talk about um, the benefits, the side effects. Let's talk about um, everything that happens to Harry because of these little black pills. Let's talk about what happens to people that apparently are not creative that take the little black pills, a.k.a the festers as we dubbed them in the previous podcast everything about the mythos that was introduced in this episode we had a lot of exposition it was exposition i will say personally that was done really well because at times exposition can be incredibly heavy it can seem like you know it's just exposition you know characters are just saying things because they need to be said i found the exposition to be incredibly fascinating and captivating in this episode odina Talk to me all about the mythos, about the black pills, the benefits, the side effects, your take on all of it. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I think the name that they have, like the tentative name, is pretty fitting, like Muse. Because when you really think about it, 
it's like it's meant to obviously enhance your creative skill or talent if it's there (laughs) which is just like also a slap in the face imagine taking it and then you don't have talent um but yeah i know right like the side effects of it are almost like amuse in it of itself the fact that you have to like it deprives your body of blood and then you have to like in essence replace it um so it's funny because like the muse ends up becoming like blood like you see henry he like can't resist even just seeing his wife cut her finger he like has to go after it so i think it's very interesting and it's a very cool play on words in that sense because it's meant to be like a creative muse to stimulate like your creativity and your brain and you go for hours on end, but then you're unable to resist the side effect. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Very true. I read something hella shady on social media. You would have thought Maddie Fitch wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, re- I'm waiting for a reaction. I was going to say, here we go. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, coming in strong. But it was so funny. And I was like, oh, no, I hope that doesn't happen. Because by the end of the episode, we see little Alma taking a damn pill and, and you know, getting used up. Um, some people were like, could you imagine if Doris takes the pill and she becomes like a bald fester? And I'm like, don't do that to my girl. She finally gets a fucking <laughs> headliner role and they're going to turn into a fucking fester. You want to know what's so funny is, I don't know, you must be psychic, Jeff, because I literally said the exact same thing. That was, like, my crazy prediction, and, like, I almost see, like, that's going to happen. Oh, I hope it doesn't. No. Oh, God. They finally give her the headliner, and they're going to turn her into a fucking fester. Well, look at what they did to Sarah Paulson. She talked shit about uh, Roanoke, and this is the role that they gave her, so... (laughs) There is that. Uh, Priscilla... You love a theory, you love a crackpot theory, you love all types of theories. Uh, Your take on the mythos that was introduced in this episode, we really got a download, almost like a dossier of information about the pills, uh, an explanation about the festers. Uh, What did you, what did, what was your take on all of that? What did you think of it? I liked it. I liked knowing a lot more about it but I feel like we still didn't get enough because we still don't know who the chemist is we still don't know what they're made out of like and I again we're probably not gonna find out what they're made out of unless we actually do get to find out the whole siren story and that would be nice for, for all of those listeners who maybe didn't catch our last podcast a, a couple of us believe that Maybe the pills come from siren blood, which would be hella interesting. Mm-hmm. Vinny, did you hear that siren call? I believe uh, Priscilla was luring you to chat. Or did she hear my siren call? Oh. <laughs> well, maybe. Is it my turn? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, We're all so... scared of you now. I found it really fascinating that they. this is now the second time the word the muse has come into play. Because as we recall, in the very first episode where we had that lovely duet, it took place in a bar called The Muse. Yes. So it is very fitting. and Which, uh, let's just say, it was bathed in red light. Yes, it was. It was definitely, and I found it absolutely gorgeous. So I love the fact that they chose this name because... 
you know, this whole show so far has been about the ebb and flow of creativity of artistic existence. And I mean, being someone that's creative myself, I know what it's like to suffer from writer's block. I know what it's like to get that feeling of, oh my God, this is it. And then sit there and write and write and write. When you're of a creative mindset, it can be very polarized when you're on either side of the spectrum. The muses in Greek mythology were in basically personifications of various artistic institutes, that's not the right word, but uh, functions, whatever you want to call it. But each muse inspired in a different way. And what I found was fascinating is I had to remember by looking it up, but in in Greek, inspiration, which came from the Latin word of inspirar, uh, means to breathe into, to breathe life into something. And the Greek belief was that when an artist or poet or any type of creator was in the grow the the in the groves in the throes of inspiration, they would go into a state of ecstasy, which was basically considered like a divine frenzy or poetic madness, and they would be taken out of their own mind and experience so much more. So, remembering I, I had remembered part of that, and I had to go look it up to refresh myself. It is such a fitting name for what this drug does and what's going on in the show. From zero to hero, yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to Hercules. Maddie Fitz, I want to bring you into the conversation, talking about the mythos of the pill, but also want to get your take on and, and sort of expand the mythos, because we got a little bit of mythos about the town. We still haven't gotten a lot of answers about the town. Like, we still have the lingering question, as I alluded to, about the red light in the town. We have our own theories about that. But we did get a tiny bit of information, little tidbits about the town, its denizens, and what they know and what they don't know. Uh, uh, Tuberculosis Karen, your favorite girl, she immediately knew that uh, Harry had taken the pill. The uh, local grocery store owner, he immediately knew that um, Harry took the pill as well. Like he, There was a look on his face that he was like, oh... So you ended up doing that. I clearly know exactly what you got yourself into. So there was that. And uh, we also got a little bit more information about the sheriff. Uh, later on in the episode, we, um, we learned from Bel Noir that the previous sheriff had a bit of an understanding with those that had taken the pill. You know, uh, that person sort of like turned a blind eye to uh, like the killings and that sort of stuff for, so that they can feed and they can replenish the, ner- the, the nutrients that um, get depleted because of the pill and that the current sheriff, um, let's just say, isn't down for that cause. At least uh, that's what it seems. Uh, so, Maddie, what, what, what's your take on uh, this additional information that we got about the town and what they know? Yeah, so clearly the town members kind of know what happens here, at least during the winter months. Um, We definitely got it from Karen. We definitely got it from, you know, the manager of this grocery store. Clearly he knows more than he's letting on. And I was thinking about this even in the first episode, Um, you know, because this new family comes into town. They start seeing weird people in the cemetery who start chasing them. Now they're around their house, looking into their windows. Like, clearly these people are out and about in this town, even during the day. Why is this new family the only one that's reporting it? 
So I was thinking, well, if there's other members in this town that are still there, like the chief said, there's the population is normally 6,000 and then during winter it goes down to like three, so half. But still, 3,000 people don't see these sketch balls walking around the town and don't call the cops. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Some houses have the red lights, some don't. So clearly I feel like the town knows what's going on. It's just kind of a, a secret or it's always been this way or something like that. So, and that's kind of my theory from last episode when I said this, this new chief, this new police chief knows more or is, has a bigger plan of trying to get down to things and figure it out maybe. So, yeah. That is a really good point. uh, Because if you think about it, just sort of piggyback off of what you were saying, these people are out and about, you know, these festers, these uh, pale during the day, out during the the day, day, just hanging out at the cemetery. And it looks like, Based off of, I mean, we don't really have a map of the town, but uh, when they were exploring in the previous episode, uh, it looked just like it's in the middle of the town. So clearly people can drive by it, they can walk through it. Um, it it's almost, uh, I would say, treated like a park, you know, like the cent- like Central Park type of a location in P-Town. So clearly the people can see them. Um, it's not like they're hiding in the shadows. They are legit, like almost playing hacky sack. They're, you know, they're practicing their pop and locking skills in the middle of the damn cemetery. So you would think that the sheriff would know this. So Vinny said in the previous episode that she's kind of sus. I feel like she's a little suspicious as well. Yes, because she has to know. She has to know what's going down. Right, Vinny? This is uh, your cue to uh, cosign. She totally does. Okay, good. I I find it very hard to believe that she does not know that there's something more going on in this town. And, yeah, I mean, these guys are basically, like, reenacting RuPaul's Drag Race, doing runway walks down Main Street with their hickety-hackety, crickety-crackety walk. So, yeah, unless this sheriff is, like, really stupid... She's in on it to some degree in some way. Mm-hmm. Priscilla, your girl, Alma, she had a lot of questions, and she was throwing out a lot of allegations. She was slandering people in this episode. I saw Daddy take pills. I saw Daddy take pills. What were in those pills? What were those pills, Daddy? Uh, yeah, so she was, th- she was doing slander, and, uh, and she was also inquiring, uh, can I take one of Daddy's pills? Can I take a pill? You know, will that pill help me? Hmm. So clearly, we all knew by the end of the episode, she was going to take it into her own hands, and she was going to find one of those pills, right, Priscilla? What's your take on Alma taking a pill? What's your take on Doris, who by the end of the episode was D-U-N done, uh, finding uh, her daughter? She, she fixed her own breakfast. I mean, you know, she's a big girl now. Damn, I felt so bad for Doris, like, when she started crying, when her daughter... I know! I was that like, would not go down in a Latinx family, right? Yeah, that would not happen in a Latinx family. <laughs> I'm just saying, you do not say any of that shit to your mom. I'm just saying. Oh my no bueno. 
it was it was it was harsh it was it was crazy but you totally knew that that was gonna happen when she was like it, he, he popped those pills maybe they're like Adderall maybe, maybe they're like and I was like ah, oh, so she thinks they're like those types of pills that that people take for ADHD which that then she thinks that they're okay pills that she thinks that she thinks that she should be able to take one to be able to make her craft better ah, oh, damn then nobody can tell her otherwise because nobody else knows that these pills are fucked up little pills so ah, oh, damn it and but you, the writing was on the wall. You knew it was gonna happen. You just knew it. And when she goes and she she steals one of the pills, I was like, ah, damn it! And where is she gonna get the blood? Where is she gonna get the blood? Because she's not gonna be able to to go to the meat market and get some steaks like Daddy did. So where is she gonna get the blood from? And lo and behold, at the end of the episode, she's holding roadkill just like just like she usually did, and was sucking the blood from that. So, ugh, gross. But that was a perfect way to end the episode. So, props to you. I loved it. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be murking people left and right. Macaulay Culkin <laughs> was killing people in The Good Son, so she can kill people too. Mm-mm-mm. I also. Something really uh-huh. sad about the about the pill taking thing. Does that mean that that now she'll never be able to play without the pills? Uh. Oh. And she really wanted to go into the Philharmonic and like be the best player. And now she, now she'll never be able to be like unblocked and be able to like play really hard pieces without the pills. That's allegedly a side effect. We don't really know if that's true, but uh, we are to assume it is because that's what we were told until we are told otherwise. Yeah, poor little Alma. I mean, I mean, she wanted it, though, so, um, you know, don't come crying to us if it, when it bites never. you in the ass. Shortcuts never work, people. Don't take them. But did anyone else get reminded of that old 80s or 90s drug commercial where it's like the dad, like, where did you learn how to do this? And she's like, I learned it by watching you. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, yes. good for her. I hope she oh, stays nice. eating roadkill. That's mm-hmm. what you get for talking to your mom that way. Ooh. Right. I do have to say that even in my family, if I had talked to my mother like that, I probably would have gotten laid flat on my ass. Oh, okay, good. I like that. Um, so here's the thing. So after Doris, she gets talked to like that. My hope, because I feel like she will take the pill. My hope is that she becomes Martha fucking Stewart. And that she doesn't become like Vinny said. Because Vinny's been sipping on Maddie Fitz's haterade. For a second, I thought you, you were like, she doesn't become like Vinny. I'm like, well, how? <laughs> Because <laughs> so, you've been sipping yeah. on the haterade like Maddie Fitz, so you think you know she's gonna get all festery. See, but, yes, Maddie. And I, I, I thought this too. So you know how you know they take the pill. Okay, now they have to drink blood. Whatever. Did anybody get Santa Clarita diet vibes? Yes. 
100 percent, i did yeah yeah i was like okay so the things outside are are these zombie things and now they have to take meat and put it in a blender and drink it so santa cleared a diet i was like and this is how they have to live and everyone's just gonna accept it like i i just got the vibe of that show and i don't know i i kind of took myself back a bit and i was like okay that's a little too familiar type thing so i didn't know if i liked that part of of the show like just him blending up the meat and stuff i was i was like okay this is this has been done before almost it's been done so many times yeah yeah but uh jeff as as Actually, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry, because you just, you know, you did your thing. I'm going to spill some haterade over your, your desire. Oh. <laughs> so if you remember, there is an ongoing trend with Doris. And don't get me wrong. Like, I predict that she will become a fester. I don't necessarily want that to happen. However, we both agree she's going to take the pill. Yes. But there's been a trend with her. If you remember when he screams and yells at her and he says, yeah, if you back out of this one like you did out of the last one. And she says, yeah, but they were really demanding and blah, 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 blah. These guys are going to let me do what I want. And then when she's talking to Alma and she's like, I think this color with this color. And Alma's like, mom, they all look the same. So there is a pattern developing for Doris that maybe she doesn't have any talent at what she does. Agreed. That's interesting. Although, let's be real. (laughs) <laughs> Have we all been to the to like the paint store? And yeah. there is like white and off white and all, you know what I'm saying? And it's they all look the fucking same. So it I think that could be a joke t- about that. But at the yeah. end of the day she probably will be a fester. So I mean, she gives me like pumpkin mm-hmm. spice latte. <gasps> I just bought one today. In that sense. So I honestly don't think she has any talent either. I will scream if she ends up a fester with like a baby bump. Oh, oh not right. a fester bump. I have to ask though, was your comparison have anything to do with the Uggs that she wore when she went looking for Alma? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Did you <laughs> what, I mean, the fact that she went out into a New England winter in a nightgown, Uggs, and, right. a, and a, oh my gosh. Well, there's that. I did get a PSL today, so I do take offense to that. It was my first one of the season. So. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm a whore for some pumpkin spice. Oh. Well, now, now we know what you're doing under the dock. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay, good. Let's talk about Lark. We get a brand new character in this episode, played by another AHS veteran, Billy Lord. Once again, as I like to say, she had a teeny, 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 tiny little role in this episode. But I think she had some, like a presence. Uh, I don't know if anyone has any strong opinions on uh, Lark. But uh, if, if any of you do and would like to uh, chat about Leslie Feldman, this is your chance. She was amazing. And I got goosebumps because of how much she is starting to look like her mother. She I really literally, is, isn't she? Right. Yeah. Like, when she first turned and looked at him, like, as she's growing into, you know, adulthood even more, like, it was very eerie. I had goosebumps. But, no, I think she she does what she always does. She brought everything into this little role. And I really hope that it isn't a minor role. I hope she comes into play more. But just the way that she did it and the way that she executed it i absolutely adored it i think it was one of my favorite parts of the episode okay 
Any other thoughts on Lark? She comes in to file uh, Harry's teeth uh, because, uh, you know, we learned she's the one that kind of invented it. She's also on the pill as well. Not that pill, but the pill in the show. And uh, she said that filing the teeth makes it easier because of predators and, you know, how they are able to tear the flesh and this, that, or the other. And so she I... ends up filing his teeth and creating the caps. Yes, Maddie Fitz. <laughs> I saw somebody mention this on Twitter and I lost it. So she files your actual teeth and then molds the teeth to give you caps so you look normal during the day. Well, if you're only feeding once a week, why aren't you making caps that are pointed? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I literally yeah. asked the same question. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you want to eat, put your caps in. Are like, you sorry or are you sorry? But would caps um, be too, like, flimsy? Like, they're biting into people. But, I mean, if caps are on properly, like, I would hope that they're on tight enough that they don't fall out during the day and somebody's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's very strange that you have to actually file your own teeth. And the fact that the, our main character, the writer, is so just gung-ho about getting his teeth filed. Excuse me? Like, are, aren't you even going to take a day to think about this? I mean... <laughs> to be fair, I wanted to do that because oh. I watched a Twilight movie. So, I mean... <laughs> oh, you're one of those. All your teeth. <laughs> Infamy is a much better reason. Oh, she's a Twilighty. Okay. So, here's the million-dollar question. And uh, once again, you know, maybe I'm a psychic and maybe I've been inside of all y'all's brains last night because I feel like at least one of you asked yourself this as you were watching the episode. So we were given a whole lot of exposition about why these people have filed their teeth, okay? And uh, the ones that have their teeth filed that went to proactively go to file their teeth are the ones that have taken the pill and they are creative people. So the pill did not transform them into festers, as we call them. So why are those pale, white, bold men, why do they have primal teeth? Why are their teeth sharpened? Because it's a lie. I think it's not about just the talent. I think that there is something that happens when you stop taking the pill. Or like, maybe there's, like, two sets of pills. Or that, yeah. I mean... Interesting. I have a feeling maybe it's it's a process. Like, it's a process of taking the pills. So they, you know, our two friends introduce these pills to a so-and-so creative writer or something, some a creative person. What if it slightly works the first time? Then they go get their teeth done. They try it again. And the more you do it, like, we haven't seen Belle and Austin take a pill yet. Are they actually still taking pills? Or are they just giving them out to people? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's an so, interesting question. And maybe it's a also, just a, a quick little um, info uh, or exposition dump that they gave us was the fact that this pill only has been out there for what did they say like a decade a decade and a half so uh, 
it's not like it's something that has always been out there. It is still relatively new-ish. And also, too, like, if they're giving these pills to people that are coming to the town that they may think are creative or something, aren't the people wondering where their family members are or, like, there's no checkups on this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, are they just people from the town? Yeah. But clearly, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a weird concept, too. Very interesting. Priscilla, you have been conspicuously quiet. You love a good crackpot theory. Your take on, uh, you know, these pale, bald, white men having their teeth filed when allegedly, supposedly, from what we've been told, it's only the creatives that uh, have had this idea to file their teeth. See, I think it has something to do with the fact that, that that they themselves Selves turn into the the uncreatives as soon as like their creative juices stop flowing or as soon as they stop taking the pill. I think it has to deal with something with that, but I'm not necessarily so certain that it would be so many of them. And for that matter, why would all of their teeth be filed? I don't know. Maybe it just had to do with the costume department just wanted to make them all look scary, so they they made them with their teeth filed, but they they didn't expect us all to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, we noticed. We oh, noticed. yes, we noticed. Yes, Indeed, we did. We have devoted uh, 55 minutes about it right now. <laughs> no, it hasn't been that long. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we we notice shit, so uh, I, yeah, there I better think be a reason. Just like it's, Writers. It starts off with the process that our main character is going through right now. The pill gets introduced. They get their teeth filed. They expect them to keep doing this. And maybe some people that are the quote-unquote uncreatives just didn't want to follow the process anymore. Or maybe they didn't want to give them more pills or something like you know what I mean? I, I feel like obviously Belle and Austin are hiding a few key information parts. Um, yeah, I think. But, you know, we should learn more. But that is a, a good question. It's a very good question. Could it be that they're like, mm-hmm. that Noir and Austin are like lying about it? Because they could just be like, yeah, this makes, like, if you have talent, it'll make you creative. But it could potentially like have the same effect and like, make you creative for a certain period of time and then you start changing into yeah. a fester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Dana, are you, are you accusing Belle Noir and Austin of looking like people that don't tell the truth? Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, another thing I was wondering is, like, so if they're, like, one of the few people that don't turn into a fester, like, what's what sets them aside kind of thing other than their supposed talent. And like, at least we know about Noir that she like low key eats babies or whatever she's doing with babies. Or maybe high key. Yeah. literally. So like, are like, could they all be doing that? Like aside from like, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it could be that they're just bullshitting him. Or what if Belle and Austin, because we have, and I don't want this to be it, because again, I don't want any kind of vampire necessarily, but we haven't seen them take a pill. They are obviously very strong, very capable. And what if the Festers are people that just like Harry, they previously reeled in, they got hooked in the pill, and then they somehow 
instead of needing the pill themselves, they suck the creativity out of the people that they reel in. Oh, that could be cool, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. I will say... Do, yeah, but I hope not. I will say they have made Evan Peters look very pale. I mean, to go back to the mm-hmm. title yes. of this episode. He looks... Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah. he's very gaunt as well. Very gaunt and very pale. So, um, stay tuned. So could it be that, like, Noir and Evan Peters are, like, two literal vampires and the pills are their blood? So it, it could mimics, be. like, the transformation of a vampire, but it's not actually a thing? That's interesting. Or what if, what if you turn into a fester after, like, a very, very long period of time? Like, we're saying that Evan looks very pale. Well, what if he is going to turn into one of these pale freaks, but, like... Your success and how things work only lasts a certain time. You know what I mean? Mm, that's interesting exactly. as well. I like all of the theories. All of the theories are very nice. Loving it. The creative juices are flowing, and we haven't even taken a damn pill. At least allegedly. I don't know if y'all did. But, yeah. Stay tuned. Joke's on you. Oh. She's, <laughs> she spiked our drinks. Our Aperol Spritz. Okay, so in this episode, we got a pair-up that was very fascinating. Our girl, maybe not to some of you, Tuberculosis Karen, and Mickey, we had a couple scenes with them. They, um, you know, they commiserated together. They talked about their creative sides, which I don't know if we expected any of this. Apparently, um, Mickey is a budding screenwriter, but he's never completed the scripts. And uh, who knew? Tuberculosis Karen is not an artist. She's an artiste, y'all. Her paintings evoke emotion and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And... uh, Mickey was like, you know, why don't we take the pills? You know, why don't we take the pills? I swiped some from uh, Belle Noir. So uh, let's take them. You know, it might help us. And uh, we know Tuberculosis Karen is not down for that cause. We, we've we heard her. Fuck face, motherfucker, fuck, fuck uh, your balls and all that kind of stuff. So clearly, she was not going to be taking it, and she tried to get Mickey not to take it, and then he was, she was even like, what if you turn into one of those things? And so he's like, you don't believe that I'm talented. Um, well, we'll see what happens to Doris, but um, he ends up taking it, and we do see in the episode, he starts writing, and writing, writing, writing. What was fascinating to me about this is that I don't know why, but I just, I didn't think we were going to get this pair up. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I think, well... I'll explain why. Because we saw some BTS images, and we saw Leslie Grossman in a photo with Macaulay Culkin, and I don't know why in my mind I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to be characters that are connected. But that was just the BTS photo that was shared on the IG. So uh, we got this, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought they had really great chemistry. So let's talk about Mickey and uh, Karen together in a shack as it's thundering outside. Priscilla? Oh, I felt, I, I, like, I, 
I felt pity for them. I know. Because... You could kind of smell that they smelled bad through the screen, right? Yeah. Like, Smell Vision hasn't been invented yet, but thank God it hasn't because, Jesus Christ, it would reek in there. The fact that they have to <laughs> pee in a fucking... No, you pee in the sand, you shit in the bucket, and then you bury it. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't make anything any better. <laughs> I know, right? That's why I never camp. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not pooping in a bucket. And there was a toilet there, but I guess it doesn't work. They, they're just, it's just water. just decoration. That's yeah. where you make the wine, right? <laughs> I guess. But I... Dude, the, it's it's such a, a Sophie's choice for them, like, to have the pill and to have everything, but to renege on the, their very humanity, to realize that they're going to become the monsters that they see that hurt them every day. So they know they know what the monsters are they've seen them they've seen what they become what what they what they do and they've seen the lesser so they they've seen the the horror show that they can be if they are failures and so they they know all three choices that can come of this and yet they still one of them still takes the pill whereas the other one probably even more wisely decides not to take the pill. Like, damn. You you can't help but pity them. And Macaulay Culkin, like, I, I, I don't know. He, he's a great actor because you, you, as Mickey, you were just kind of like, dang, like, you, you, you can see that he's a great writer that he, uh, or, and that he's, uh, that he spots talent in people because he's he spot he spotted these like paintings from out of nowhere and he doesn't have a dime to his name but yet he still got these paintings and kept them for himself because he saw beauty in them and he still wanted to to tell um tuberculosis Karen yes i I saw that that you had talent and I just wanted you to know that I know that you are special. That you aren't just some tuberculosis Karen. You you're more than that. They're people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people. I I agree with you, Priscilla. Like this moment between them was really, really, really nice. And which I don't really think that we get a lot in American horror story. Kind of like that heartfelt um, type of moment. Or you that didn't think the moment. name game was heartfelt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, and this is why, you know, like how I was talking so much shit on tuberculosis, Karen, in our first episode. Um, but this is what oh, you I'm were talking tricking about. Because the- now you're going to tell me you're in love with her? No, I oh. just, the, the growth of her character. I want more. So in this episode, the fact that we get more backstory uh, from her that she was a painter and she's really, really good. Okay, so then what happened? Right? Mm-hmm. I want to know, is it something in this town? Is it somebody that, you know, made you fall from grace? Um, and I think it would be really, really cool, hopefully, if they do a flashback of you know, her before and her painting and, and stuff like that. And, and I wonder if this town has something to do with 
why she stopped painting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because I feel like when you're talented like that, you don't stop painting. You know what I mean? And where did she take a painting class? Like, clearly, she, nobody lets her into, into a store now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, clearly, she was allowed into a painting class. So, I would love to see and know more about her past. And that's where I'm kind of excited to see. And, and her just sitting on the floor and being all cute and, you know, like, not yelling and swearing <laughs> like we saw before. Um, I like this side of Karen not the out-of-control Karen. Okay. So are you saying officially, you know, to the public, that you would spend $5 and you would buy one of her paintings? Five American dollars, not that Canadian stuff. Ooh, that's like $10 Canadian. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were pretty nice. I like the one on the, in the sand. That was so nice. Okay, aw. Look at you. You even had a little bit of character development. Over the course of two podcasts, I'm proud. Your heart grew um, at least one size. Just one. Yeah. All right. I like it. Any other thoughts on Mickey, tuberculosis Karen? Do we think Mickey's going to slip her a Mickey and going to end up, you know, putting a pill someplace and she's going to get black pilled? I just have a, like, observation, I guess. Like, there are way too many, like, creative people in this place. Like, down to the crackheads. Like, everybody <laughs> said seems down to, to the crackheads. Yeah, like, everybody seems <laughs> to be super creative or have some, like, level of actual talent. So I'm, like, I'm wondering if the town itself plays the role of, like, the muse, like, where it attracts creative talent. That's a good theory. Yeah, there might be something to P-Town. Yes. It also attracts really horny people. I mean, everybody's looking for sex. Right. Yes. You know, it can be inspiring. So, let's see. Who else should we talk about? Well, let's talk about the arguments in this episode. Uh, One of the things that we discussed in the previous podcast was seeing someone like Finn Whitrock, seeing someone like Lily Rabe finally getting their sort of like just desserts here in the American Horror Story universe, being front and center, being the headliners of the season. They're playing a married couple, and things were kind of wonderful-ish. In the first episode, for the most part, uh, you know, there were a couple of heated-ish moments, but it seemed like normal married stuff. This episode kind of kicked that up a couple notches, and we really had Harry and Doris going at it with each other. And uh, they say, you know, anger can bring out the truth. And uh, there was a whole lot of anger from Harry, and a whole lot of truth was being spilled. The tea was piping hot. So I don't know if anyone has any opinions on this. Uh, So I'll just open it up to the floor. Just uh, let's discuss Harry and Doris's dynamic in this episode versus the first one. We are told that, uh, you know, the, the pill does have that side effect. 
But after seeing Doris with Harry, and then later on, as we discussed before, seeing Doris with Alma, there's stuff simmering that's, you know, coming up to a boil. These uh, personal issues within the family that's uh, really interesting to see sort of come out during these uh, outbursts of anger. I found their dynamic interesting and at first kind of contradictory, but then after I thought about it, it made sense. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Harry is and Elmar are very, very artistic people, and Doris probably has some kind of inferiority or imposter complex going on deep down. That's why when Alma said what she said, like, it it hit her so hard. Uh, but I think there's an element of dynamic between them that is indeed simmering. I think there are things that, I mean, like, every, let's face it, every relationship, every couple, whatever, has things that, you know, subconsciously are going on that people are aware of and they just don't talk about. And sometimes they bubble up during a fight. I think there was a level of insecurity in their relationship that before maybe they were too busy to deal with or never really identified. Because let's face it, Alma is a little fucked up. And that had to start somewhere, you know, whether it's their parenting or the chemistry between the two of them and what she's observed or what she's learned from them. So there's a darkness to this family that even though I did like them, is a pre-existing condition before they came to this city. Uh, the one thing that I found really interesting was how Doris did like an almost about face later in the episode after the conversation with Ursula. And she just seemingly forgot that like her husband she fell victim to almost a, a metaphorical pill, which is money and success, you know? So it, 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 that's where I thought at first it was contradictory, but then the more that I thought about it, it was metaphorical because even Doris, who has been like steadfast and resolute in let's get the hell out of here. This place is nasty. This is scary. The moment true success came through, she was intoxicated by the prospect of it. So I found that really interesting, and that's another thing that kind of puts the nail in the coffin that I think at some point she might take the pill with bad consequences. I mean, if Netflix was calling any of us, we'd all be excited too, right? <laughs> Bye. Bye. I mean, yeah, that's a whole lot of money. I mean, that man bought a damn Rolls Royce on American Horror Stories, <laughs> so... Right. I'm just saying, I'd get me my Jaguar, you know, not a real yeah, one, the with car. This, with this, mm -hmm. I feel like the pills, it's not even like a side effect of the pill. I feel like it's almost withdrawals. Like the fact that he is such an asshole to her is almost like withdrawals because you take this pill, you're immediately craving blood or something like that, right? So I feel like, you know, you when you get hangry. Right? I feel like this is all just them acting out because they're hangry. Um, mm. And and it's it's interesting because, you know, Alma gets hangry, like, right away. <laughs> um, well, she's an angry little girl. Just, I mean, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and, I mean, you know, our girl, like, she's pregnant. Um She's in a place that she doesn't know. She's probably scared. And she's probably looking for her husband to make moves and to be the one that's supposed to be protecting them. Like, yes, he just killed a man. But at the same time, maybe she's trying to, you know, 
be the woman who's understanding and all this stuff. And like, I, I get that. I, I understand what she's doing because yeah, I can see her being a strong ass independent woman, but at the same time, she has a baby on the way and she has a kid there as well. She can't really just up and go. And I don't know. So this fight was just kind of like fitting, I guess, especially because she had to say something for, because he was acting like such an asshole. You know what I mean? But, and like you guys were saying, yeah, Netflix deal, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, I'd be pretty happy too. Well, not Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin fucking Phoenix. Right. Get it right, yes. So Ursula ends up calling, lets them know about the Netflix deal, about Mr. Phoenix. At this point in the episode, Harry wasn't really feeling the black pills. But then once he sat down to continue writing, nothing. Writer's block yet again, so he goes back and get the pills. And this is when he learns how, supposedly, allegedly, according to Bell and Austin, which, you know, we should uh, take, I think, everything they say with a large grain of salt. Uh, you know, he learns how they end up feeding. So the main rule is you don't kill in P-Town because, as I referenced before, the previous sheriff would turn and look the other way. This one is not down for that cause. So you don't kill in P-Town. So they go, they actually use uh, Craigslist because, the, you know, they list these random things, a bike, uh, an iPad, this, that, or the other. What do these random things have in common? Clearly, it must be from someone that uh, stole and they're trying to get rid of these hot items because they're probably a junkie, and so they need the money for the drugs, and this and that or the other. It's a huge assumption. Could you imagine if it was someone that's just literally trying to sell a bike? <laughs> I mean, hello. But uh, they do go over to this person's house. It does look hella sketchy. Um, based off of everything that, they, that he said, he's hella sketchy, and they end up feeding on him. And... Uh, the big thing that I want to get to is because later on in the episode, after Harry gets his brand new set of chompers, the pointy kind, he kills somebody. And he kills somebody as he's jogging. So my assumption is that that's in P-Town. Is that the same assumption that the rest of you have? Yep. Yep. So he's already yep. fucking up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. And our sheriff is not going to like. That whole scene was so sketchy. Was he wearing gloves? First of all, where did the why was the guy under the dock? Like, was he expecting it? Like, I'm so confused. Well, he was ready to get down. Yeah. Like, I don't just loiter. Like, when I want to get down, I just don't loiter around like under a dock. (laughs) That was a pretty big dock. (laughs) Yeah, he was a little rent boy. So, okay. So, what were the rules again? You have to wear the gloves. Do not do it in P-Town. I don't think he was wearing gloves. Like, Mm -hmm. I would have to go back to rewind and pause, but I'm assuming he's not jogging with gloves on. I don't think he expected to kill. Yeah. Wait, I can't... I think he was wearing gloves, though. He was? When he... Because it was cold out. Okay. I'd have to go back to check. I didn't double check as I'm sort of thinking about this. Um, But... 
if he's not wearing the gloves, he's definitely breaking the rules of it not being in P-Town. If he's not wearing the gloves, Fingerprint City is all I'm saying. Yes. He's going to cause it all to fall apart. I know. I mean, technically, he got away with one murder. Like, he could probably... And that sheriff, like, honestly, hands down, my favorite. She's just... She's like, no, not my problem. Happens. Like, she doesn't seem too invested either, so... Well, we'll see as the bodies start to, uh... Pile up. We'll see what she ends up deciding to do. I'm trying to think. I feel like I covered all the major plot points. Was there anything that I missed? A tiny little moment that either of you would like to chat about before we head into uh, the MVP? The only thing I will mention is there is amazing chemistry between Finn and Evan Peters. Like, there were multiple times where, like, I legit thought something was going to happen between the two of them. (laughs) Like... The way that Evan is playing this character and just how he is very, su- just just how, you know, Belle Noir is. Like, they're both very, very sensual, very, very passionate. And there was, it might have been the last episode, but I think it was this one where he went back and he was sitting on the couch with him. Um, but just the way they're interacting, it's, I, I honestly thought he would have been more drawn to Belle. But I think the connection between the two of them, I, I find that really interesting. And there's that, like, fanboy in me that kind of wants them to make out. Just saying. Well, we have to remember, vampires are incredibly sexual and sensual creatures. So um, the fact that these aren't technically vampires until we have official confirmation if they are. I mean, it looks like they're just bloodsuckers. You know, they need the blood to uh, survive, you know, when they're on that little black pill. Um, but, but if they are trying to mirror the concept of vampires, it would make sense that, uh, you know, all of these, um, individuals that are on the pill are very sort of sensual type creatures. Uh, let's be real, uh, Lark in the teeny tiny moment that she was on, she was incredibly Mm -hmm. sensual. Like there was a lot of sensual chemistry that was oozing off of her, a lot of sensuality. Uh, what's interesting about the point that you're making, Vinny, is that uh, in these past two episodes, there are gay overtones and undertones. Mm-hmm. So uh, you might get your wish sooner rather than later, maybe. Score! What's um, also interesting, because I did read confirmation, so we are now officially a third of the way through of the story in um, Red Tide. So Red Tide will span over six episodes and Death Valley will be the final four episodes of the season. So we're a third through. Um, You know, we're going to be in the middle of the arc with the next two episodes. So clearly we're going to get a lot of information and uh, I would assume we're going to get a lot of uh, the plot advancing to what should be Hopefully, a batshit crazy final two episodes of uh, this Red Tide story. So, let's get into the MVP. The most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Hmm. Odina, who is your MVP and why? Ooh, um... I'm going to say Alma, just because I feel like there's 
obviously there's going to be more to her, but I wonder, like, one, she was, like, not holding back. She was like, hey, mom, you, you just, you don't have any talent, like, face it. Two, like, you guys were mentioning before, there was, like, even before the pill, like, she was pretty aggressive when it came to her, like, creativity and, like, how far she would push herself. Like, when she told her father she wanted to be on, like, the first chair in the orchestra or whatever, like, those are pretty big, like, dreams to have. And the dynamic between her, Doris, and Henry is very interesting. And now that she's, like, almost on, like, the same artistic and creative level as Harry because of the pills, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, like, what happens if she turns into a fester? It's like, they're now a mini fester. But she's my MVP. Uh, well, no, she's not going to be a fester. Well, we don't know how you become a fester, so that is true. What you're saying is right. Can we also say that something that we didn't reference, but I think it's important. So we saw when Harry took the pill, he didn't really have an immediate adverse side effect outside of, like, let's say, the, the shift in the mood. Alma fainted. Like, she went down. Like, she oh, went yeah. down hard. She fell on that floor. And she was knocked unconscious. And then, we don't know how much time passed, but I would assume it was enough time for us to pan over to show us that uh, Doris was awake and then asleep. So, that was an interesting side effect. Let's just, putting that out there, just to remind us that she got knocked the fuck back. Yes. Priscilla, your MVP and why? My MVP is going to have to be the mom. It's going to have to be Doris because as much of a bad kid as Alma was, had to take a strong mom to take all of that hatred and channel it towards something good, which was finding her her daughter and hopefully like taking care of her and keeping her from harm and she did find her in the end eating roadkill so hopefully she reacts better to that than we as an audience did which was act delightedly in it because that was hilarious and a great punishment to a child who is a very bad child but Good on her. Mm-hmm. Roadkill, the breakfast of champions. Vinny, your MVP, and why? I'm just going to continue the family train. I'm going to choose Harry this time around. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's I've I find it fascinating to watch his fall, for, proverbial fall from grace. Um, obviously, we're on a tighter timeline with half a season as opposed to a full season, so it's happening faster than it might happen in a full-blown AHS season. But it's done really, really well, and I totally buy it because of the lure of success, the desperation to create, you know, they only have three months and you can actually see the war going on in him in the beginning. Like he wants to be the father. He wants to be the protector. Um, and there's an element of selfishness underlying all of that, you know, and he strips away his humanity to create. And he at first balks at the cost, but in this episode, especially we see how fast someone can fall. And it's almost like a parable for drugs, you know? Like, when someone gets hooked on heroin, it's a very, very fast downward spiral. Same thing with, like, meth and whatnot. So I really watched this journey with fascination, how quickly he turned to the darkness, and he was still fighting it. But by the end of the hour, he was all in. You know, he was ready to go to the dick dock and stab this guy in the neck and 
while he was out for a jog and he eschewed the rules and he's shaping out to be what I think is going to be a very fascinating character. So yeah, he's my choice. Fantastic choices overall. Maddie Fitz, your MVP and why? I, I think I'm going to go with Belle Noir just because in this episode, um, I really got the femme fatale from her, um, <laughs> her constantly saying, you know, when they went to the Craigslist guy to eat him and she was like, oh, enough talk, mommy's hungry. Like, it was so classic. And I just really like how her character is kind of blooming. I don't know. I think she just rocked this episode. So, yeah. Belle. Very nice. And I'm going to give it to my girl, Tuberculosis Karen. I thought Sarah Paulson added a lot in this episode. Like, in the first episode, we saw her a bit as a chaos agent. And in this one, they grounded her with that relationship with Mickey. Uh, I found it incredibly authentic. Um, You know, this is also saying a lot to Macaulay Culkin as an actor, but the chemistry that they had was really good. And I liked getting to know that there was more to her than just this incredibly frazzled-looking character. And... um, I do wonder if she was is going to transform as the season progresses or if we're going to get a flashback to see what she's like before all this. But the character became um, even more fascinating after this episode. So uh, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 muse pills? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional... Deserving a more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted Golden Muse. So, uh, Maddie Fitz, you may go first. Um, okay, okay. Ooh, I'm going to give this episode a 9, <gasps> which is higher than last episode, I know. I think just because things are rolling really fast, which... I'm actually pretty happy about, you know, we still have a lot of questions, but there's still enough answers that we have that we can actually have a full conversation about that we're not actually guessing and wondering and predicting. Like, we have a lot of information so far, especially about this town, the characters, um, and it's, it's given us enough that we hope for more for other characters and you know wondering what's going to happen and stuff and this episode really did leave us with a pretty big cliffhanger and um yeah i'm just i'm really excited for where this season is going i think there's a lot more that is going to happen um and i'm just excited for it to be honest but i think this episode really hyped things up from last episode and did a good job as uh, to keep the ball rolling it, it wasn't you know really really slow to start and then all of a sudden it just it kind of you know lagged off and and was getting a bit boring again no it was full throttle all the way through so yeah a nine starting off strong from maddie fitz who to thunk with a solid nine Vinny, what about you toot toot all aboard the nine train i agree <laughs> like I, the, the the comment that Maddie just kind of pointed out, you know, sometimes with the sophomore episode, you find yourself chugging along as 
you know, exposition that was exciting in the first one is drawn out and lags a little bit, but that did not happen in this episode. I, I was very pleased to kind of find the Festers kind of falling a little bit to the backside. They weren't as prominent. Uh, we actually got to focus in on the dynamics between the family, the things going on in the town a little bit more. We got exposition explaining, you know, what are the pills? Just enough to whet our appetites, almost like we were being offered the pill. In that case, I'm taking more because I really enjoyed this episode. The pacing continues to be not only fast, but really well executed in the fact that, you know, from one beat to another, all of these characters and their stories are intertwined, but existing separately in a way that when they're on this set of characters, I never found myself being like, okay, I'm done. Can we go back to the others? Like, I'm really invested in all of them, and I'm really, really excited to see where the rest of the season goes because they're doing a great job of dropping little breadcrumbs for us to follow to that uh, candy house in the woods where the sirens are hopefully waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Or the festers are pop-locking. I mean, they were sort Woo! of perfecting the pop-lock uh, in the cemetery. <laughs> yeah. Priscilla, what about you? I'm giving it a nine also. I think it, I think it did just as well as the first episode. I think that um, it chugged along just as well. I think that... Um, some of the missteps that I saw in terms of the show were just that maybe the, there was too much of the festers and that there was too much of um, exposition between the between the the father and the the two new new people Austin and um, Belnoir, which I guess had to be there, but I could have done without. So, a nine. Okay. Nines all around so far. Will Odina change that? Odina, how would you rate this episode? I am going to agree with everybody. Definitely a nine. Um, I like that TB Karen took a backseat or was at least more subdued um, and wasn't so in your face. I love the cliffhanger. I thought that was a pretty funny slash brilliant way to end it. Uh, Again, like the previous episode, the cinematography um, was really great. The pacing was really great. I also love that we're getting a little bit more of like what the substance of characters, what the story is, kind of things like that. Um, Again, it makes me only more curious. And I didn't mention this in the last one, but I also like the music. I think the touch of the violin being played, especially when it's like overlapped with different scenes and stuff like that, I think that really adds to the eeriness of it, especially because she's playing what seems kind of like more depressing pieces. I don't know how else to put that. Um, Or like more fast-paced, aggressive pieces. I think it really fits with the actual show. So this one gets a nine. I like that word eerie because I don't find the season to be scary. I'll be honest. I don't really find vampires scary. Um, that's just me. But uh, eerie is the appropriate word for me too. The season is eerie. It is creepy. Um, not scary creepy, but just creepy unsettling because you know that there's stuff like under the surface that's, you know, going to pop out at some point. Um, so, yeah, I co-sign with that as well. And I co-sign with everyone. I'm going to give it a 9. 
as well. I don't know if I have anything else to add because everyone spoke about it so eloquently. So I'll just say that much like the premiere, it was well done, well acted, uh, well written. Um, the ambiance is beautiful. Things sort of kicked it up, you know, maybe a notch and a half in this episode. We got a lot of interesting information. And for me, uh, both of the episodes are very rewatchable. I will be rewatching both of the episodes again back to back probably this weekend because I thoroughly enjoyed them. Maybe not while I'm eating because I don't really want to watch Rami getting grinded up in the damn thing. But um, <laughs> make sure you have a steak. I know, right? I was actually eating ice cream, and I'm not a squeamish person. I was a bio major, so, I, like, I've seen it all, but I did, I, like, you know, I was about to put in, you know, put, you know, the spoon in my mouth, and I was like, let's just wait half a second. <laughs> that reminds me, when we, uh, Madison, you'll appreciate this, when we watched Slasher, we had literally just sat down to eat, and we were eating shredded chicken chili verde. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no. Yeah. Apparently, we need to watch the slasher thing. I'm already oh, googling it's, it's it. On Shutter. It's on It's all filmed in Canada, in Sudbury. Oh, yeah. nice. Canadians can be spooky. Who knew? All right, everybody. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part One: Red Tide. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Are You Afraid? Double feature. And subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Odina. Good night, everybody. Remember, don't put any pills or drink any raw meat, blood, whatever that is. Good words of advice. Priscilla? Stay away from the docks, people. Bye! Well, unless you like a big dock. Vinny? <laughs> you got me with that one. I know, totally right? Oh, oh, well. Until next time, my friends. Remember, with creativity... There comes a cost, and if anyone's offering a locked iPad, don't forget your switchblade. I love it. And the always controversial, Maddie Fitz. Good night, everybody, and stay away from the dentist. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Are You Afraid? Double Feature, Part 1, Red Tide. Every Friday via Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. I have to amuse myself somehow. Good night. Yeah.